Hi, friends. Welcome to the Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walked by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. Thanks so much for listening today. This episode is a special one because I was able to interview my dad, John Ward. We talked about how God brought him from being a troublemaking kid to a leader in his church and the role that the prayers of his mother played in that. It's a powerful story that reminds us of the proverb, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So here is my interview with John Ward. Dad, thank you so much for coming on the Faithful Podcast tonight. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? It's a little bit against your your will, but uh, I'm yeah. forcing you a bit. True. I'm used to it. You're used to being forced. Well, uh, it's Friday night. We just had our weekly tradition of going to the Mexican restaurant, enjoying some live music and Mexican food, and um, enjoyed our normal Friday evening with you. And I'm just glad that you'll take the time out of your... Your very busy schedule to to hang out for a little bit. Yep. Once you get old and useless, your busy schedule consists of watering the plants and doing the yard work. Well, you took time out of your schedule, and I appreciate that. <clears throat> uh, so for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to lately. Well, my name is John Ward, yep. just in case there's... Also known as Dad. Also known me. as Dad, yeah, yeah the AKA... Um, I am uh, a retired pharmacist. Uh, that's my profession. Uh, I've uh, <clears throat> had, you know, it's always hard to talk about yourself. You don't know what to say. You don't know where to start. <laughs> Maybe in my case, you don't know where to stop. That's yeah. probably a better choice. <laughs> so uh, um, at this point in time in my life, I'm probably still doing a little bit of relief work in pharmacy, but... Very few, very far between, just kind of as needed to cover illness or vacation. So mostly retired, mostly loving it. Yeah. Uh, having a chance to do a lot of the uh, around the house and yard work that I've uh, had to delegate over, delegate over the last number of decades. So, yeah, it's kind of never thought I would enjoy winding down, but I kind of am. Yeah. You're getting to travel a lot lately. Yeah, travel a lot. Booked a... 72-hour notice trip to Africa today, so... Totally normal. Yeah. Doesn't everybody. (laughs) Everybody travels multiple flights during this COVID time, so, you know, Mm -hmm. that should be an interesting experience. Um, So, I want you to tell us um, how you came to know Jesus. How I came to know Jesus. Well, I grew up in probably a... Somewhat different home environment. I had a uh, my earliest memories are of my mother being extremely faithful, extremely active and grounded in church and in faith. And most of my relatives, especially on my mother's side, were uh, strong Christian background. And uh, in the case of my father, I think after they had first gotten married, they were extremely active in church. He was training union director at a Baptist church. And uh, but that you know, he came up from a fairly 
wild background. So uh, as time went on, he sort of fell away from that. My mother remained extremely faithful. Uh, I grew up, uh, I, I, you know, I do believe in um, lying sins and maybe even lying tendencies. So I had a tendency to be very much on the wild side. But uh, my mother was extraordinarily faithful, prayed with me and for me on a very regular basis. And so I think that always seemed to sort of draw me back in, no matter how, you know, how wild and how far afield my tendencies tended to drive me. So, uh, you know, it was not difficult for me at an early age to come to faith because uh, I could see, you know, what the Lord's ideal was, what God's plan was for us, and how we were to conduct ourselves. So uh, now I looked at my own behavior, and I had very little difficulty in spotting my sin and waywardness and my necessity of someone else to intervene on my behalf. That's cool. Yeah, I think uh, you, know, you your, your story with your mom and how— she prayed for you so faithfully. I think that's such an encouragement to um, to me as a parent now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you you see your kid and you 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 hope the best for them. You hope that God's going to do something great with their life. But you know, your your mom didn't get to see all of that, but she got to see you transition a whole lot into, I mean, into a man of God. I mean, that's. Yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty. Pretty powerful to be able to see that in your child. Yeah, she did. Uh, she died at forty-eight from cancer, and at the time I was right. You just turned uh, twenty-three and was just getting married, but uh, she never really left me to my own devices totally, which mm-hmm. was probably the best of all things that I could have asked for. Um, I. Played football my first two years in college. I played at Blinn Junior College and then later at Texas Lutheran. Uh, realized I wasn't big enough to do that, for, to be playing on Sundays, so I had to have a day career. So I decided to go into dentistry. Later on, that evolved into pharmacy. But she was extremely faithful. I did continue to go to church. Uh, she had friends that were teaching, and uh, she... Uh, have one of the ladies, uh, her name was Miss McPherson, I still remember, uh, approached me about helping to teach a class. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd gotten to a college age. We didn't have much of it. It was a relatively small church. We did not have a significant college ministry. Mm-hmm. So most everybody was married and gone. Uh, we were sort of inner city in the Parker 45 area of Houston. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the people had moved out. And I was still going there with them. It uh, worked out that uh, she asked me to teach a third and fourth grade class. And uh, there really wasn't anywhere else for me to go. So by default, sort of got roped into that still. um, You know, I've I've been in a lot of traumatic situations uh, up to, well, probably not necessary to go into all of that, but... But uh, pretty traumatic stuff, but I've never been more terrified in my life than I was the first day I went in to teach a third and fourth grade class. (laughs) 
Really? I didn't yeah. know this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, probably the most terrifying experience of my whole life. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've had, well, needless to say, a fairly challenging set of circumstances. Hard, you know, you don't want to go into too much, but, you yeah. know, up to and involved possibly facing jail time and stuff like that. And yeah. Of all the... Of all the uh, controversial things I've ever done, never been more never been more scared in my life than I was the day I walked in to teach a, a group of third and fourth, fourth graders. What were you scared of? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> you know, do, do they know more than I do? Are they smarter than I am? Am probably. I gonna am I gonna blow them? <laughs> most likely, and that was that was probably a just fear. But mm. uh, so yeah, walked in there never having done it before. Never knowing what to expect, you know, being probably somewhat on the boisterous side, mm -hmm. but yet never speaking publicly or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah, total, totally terrified. How long did you do that for? Did that for probably two to three years. Yeah. And then uh, eventually transitioned into junior high, later high school, and uh, eventually an adult class. So... You know how it is when you start teaching. They get their hooks in you. You're gonna, you're gonna always have a job. Yeah. Well, what was so? Did it get easier over time? I'm guessing. I mean, yeah. you obviously stuck yeah. with teaching. Yeah, I developed. You know, most of the people. I mean, developed a, a core group of people that I'm not in touch with on a regular basis, but still see and converse with on Facebook and things mm -hmm. like that. So yeah. 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 It's a. You love to, you know, you just love it when you see where these third and fourth graders, you know, you turn around and their college and career grown and going, married, with children, and you go, God, I really am an old sucker. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool that you're able to still see some of them. Um, so something that you haven't gone into yet, but um, just considering where you grew up and what happened in your childhood, did did you ever think that there would be a time that you are, or that you were pastoring a house church? I'm pretty sure. If you'd ever <laughs> asked me, uh, even after, I, even years later, after I became active in church, mm -hmm. uh, I never saw that as a calling. I always, uh, I felt like God had equipped me to be able to teach on a limited basis, but never, never, ever, ever, ever. I just, that was always my standard byline. Well, you know, God's given me the gift of teaching. He's not given me the gift of preaching. And mm -hmm. so even though now mostly I would say that the preaching that I do qualifies yeah. technically probably more as, preach, as, as teaching, teaching than preaching. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, no, never, never. Yeah. Probably anybody that's ever known me, if they were going <laughs> to pick a person most likely to pastor anything, and I would be on the least likely list. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, your mom praying all these years, or she prayed all those years. And um, it's just crazy to think that this, this kid that got into all kinds of trouble as a young, <laughs> yeah. young man, older man, or not yeah. young, older uh, teenager or whatever, you had plenty of years of, of, uh, run-ins with the law and and others and then to to be where you are um i i want to hear some of your story like maybe tell us a story or two about when you've seen 
God's faithfulness. I mean, you've had some like near-death experiences almost. You've had some pretty crazy things. And maybe just you can share whatever. You've got a lot of stories. So yeah, just. <laughs> I am, I am <laughs> and someone. I, and just for the record, we did not prepare at all for this. We were just kind of going no. off the cuff. So I put him on the spot with this. No, exactly right. And some of the some of these stories were probably better edited out anyway. So uh, <laughs> we can always edit uh, stuff out later. <laughs> yeah, it's always. Always better, uh, you know, probably better to minimize, but just to say sufficiently that, uh, you know, off and on, ran with extremely rough crowds, uh, did, you know, was involved in drinking, much less any kind of drugs or anything like that, but just just a very wayward and wild uh, kind of situation where there were, as you said, there were very significant potential interactions with law enforcement as it was yeah they were kept to a minimum but they were you know i think the you know and and they began early so i can understand my mother's frustration when i was 10 years old you know myself and two other guys on the street were bored in the summertime so uh, we decided to break into a school and vandalize it so so that was that was our summer activity and uh, and did you get caught oh yeah Oh yeah, we weren't. You have to be. You have to be smarter than we were to quit and leave. But we just stayed there until they came and took us to jail. So I can just imagine the heartache and the disappointment now, in retrospect, on the point of my parents and most, especially my mother. Yeah. So and that was back. Oh gosh, that was back in the fifties. So there was still a significant amount of shame involved with yeah. that kind of behavior. So we. Uh, uh, but you know, like I said. She remained faithful. She loved me. She she held on and persevered in her prayer, in her determination that uh, that she wasn't going to abandon me to my own devices. And to this day, uh, you know, I still I still make a lot less than smart decisions on a regular basis. I still have somewhat of a wild and spontaneous side, but uh, I have, uh, through her prayers, she has grounded me. She grounded me in the Word. She made sure, uh, you know, I've, I've done every every trick in the world to keep from having to go to church, yeah. uh, running on thermometers under hot water, and <laughs> she was seemed unconvinced that my temperature was 118, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> but like I said, it's a lot of times it's not always what you say, but you keep you keep your child, mm -hmm. you keep those that you care about exposed to the gospel, so that it will do its work. Mm. Um. I. I'm just curious if you got any any more stories for us, Dad. You got another one? That was a pretty oh, brief any one. More? Well, yeah, share share with us another one. Just just this is your chance just, to share one of your uh, well, wild child stories. Well, you know, a lot of them you know you're just better off not to go into. But one of the most startling ones, I mean, one that my my wife constantly reminds me of, and I think it even <laughs> came up in tonight's dinner conversation, is the fact that. Um, one of the guys that hung around with and did stuff with, and he wound up even being like a a uh, standing in a wedding party yeah. when we had it was 
wound up on death row. And oh, gosh. so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, her, my wife is part Lebanese, part Italian, and he was going around at our wedding trying to see if someone could hook him up on getting into the mafia. And apparently, I don't think he had any luck there, but later on, he did wind up with some connections that wound up running him afoul of the law to the point that he wound up on death row. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Yeah, my... my uh, uh, you didn't have the best picker with friends. I had a diversity of friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us about your... Uh, after your after your wedding, the, the cele- celebration... You had um, okay um, with your your pharmacy school. Oh well, yeah, that was years, <laughs> years, years. That wasn't afterwards. necessarily illegal, but that's yeah, a good years one. <laughs> afterwards, I wound up in significant problem. We, uh, my wife was Catholic when we met. She later became Baptist as we were then, mm-hmm. and uh, she, we did have a big traditional Catholic wedding with like. Uh, Cases of champagne and beer and all the mm-hmm. all the accoutrements that go with that and food yeah. and all the and all the stuff and after it was over there were a number of cases of champagne and I got to my senior year in pharmacy school we decided I decided one morning who knows I, I wish I wish I had some good reason for why things pop into my head but <laughs> but odd things do I decided to have a champagne brunch I we were. So Myself fancy. and a number of people I went to school <laughs> with were were at the VA hospital in pharmacy school in our clinical rotation. So we, uh, I took the time to ice down a case of champagne, and we all met over there and yeah, um, little yeah, party, yeah, for a uh, <laughs> champagne brunch before going to the VA. And oh, uh, <laughs> word made it back to faculty, and um, I, you know. Once again, I'd made friends with a lot of people at the VA, and I had a doctor that covered for me and said I was in an autopsy, but a lot of the other people that came back got caught and in trouble. So. Oh, man. And so. I was accused, but they couldn't prove it, so <laughs> I wound up able to graduate on time. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you're able to, to do that. Um, yeah, it, I think it you're, you know, just the stories that you've told me about your time as a teenager and a young adult um, in those college years and just how God transformed you. What do you feel like it was that, was it, do you feel like it was that teaching um, that started to really cause you to be serious about um, following Jesus? And in, yeah, I think God's word speaks. God's word speaks and transforms our lives. Um, I think if you have children, you continue to pray for them. I think as even as your faith, if you question your faith, if you question your commitment, if you uh, have trouble, you stay under sound teaching of God's Word. I think as you do that, God, through His Word and through His Spirit, uh, transforms your life you know i would love to say that i can look back and there was a uh, defining moment where i said this is it from now on totally Uh, sadly that's not the case i still i still struggle i still have you know i kind of have a real spirit of spontaneity and i'll do things that are oftentimes stupid but not like before 
not like before. Um, I think God uh, transforms us. I think it is a process of sanctification. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a process, not necessarily an event. So mm-hmm. through His Word, through His Spirit, through His teaching, through our interaction, and just through His revelation of Himself, through how He involves Himself in our lives, that we become sanctified and transformed. And I don't think the process is ever completed. Yeah. Well, that's very true. Thankfully, we... I mean, if we, if we were done at in our 20s or 30s, then what mm-hmm. would be the point? Thankfully, even now for me, <laughs> if this was as good as it gets. <laughs> Lord, please do more. <laughs> yeah, Lord, you still got to work. <laughs> um, well, um, you know, you've talked a lot about uh, your mom's influence and the influence of others in your life that transformed you as a child. I'm, I'm curious how, um, just, uh, you know, obviously you're my parent. What what do you feel like one of the biggest challenges of parenting was for you? I'm sure there were lots of them. Yeah, there were there were tons of them, and mm. the the difficult the difficult thing I think is because it's just a protracted battle. Yeah, um, the kids are going to want to go their own way. They're mm-hmm. going to want to do their own thing, and uh, you get tired of having to just feel like you're standing on their neck all the time. And it's a, uh, it, it is, you, they, they ultimately are going to wind up with a certain amount of leash. And some of it, as time goes by, I didn't, you didn't see the benefit of it. But as time goes by, it's God teaches us that he's going to do what he's going to do in his good time. Yeah. And it's not going to be what we want when we want necessarily. Okay. And and also just a lot of the things that we show our children mm-hmm. take hold. Even, you know, I don't talk much about my father because he was I believe a Christian. I believe he became uh later in life and even as my after my mother died, he became a um an alcoholic, had a lot of problems mm-hmm. and questions his own salvation and faith. But I think that God uh, was faithful to him and continued to work in him, and he felt a restoration before his his death. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing, uh, I think there's things that that he brings to bear— like I said, I don't look back at my father in the early life as being much of an example of faith, but he did teach me a profound truth that I think is extremely relevant in the Christian walk, and that is generosity. Mm. Not the of really, uh, like I said, a lot of the uh, central truths of faith came primarily from my mother. But this core of uh, an importance of generosity that he instilled in me, I think probably maybe more than anything else has allowed me 
to have a direct impact on more on more people and people that otherwise would never have been interested in anything associated with the gospel. Yeah. Um, I know you're this might come across like you tooting your own horn or something. And I know that's not what you are about, but do you have a story of something that, you know, a time when maybe yeah. I mean, I, I've I saw it modeled all through my childhood, just and and even beyond that, you know, it, God has blessed us to be a blessing to others, and that was something that you and Mom modeled really, really well. And so, I mean, if you have a you want if you have a story you want to share, maybe? well, one that comes to mind, we had a gentleman that lived next door, and uh, I think every neighbor has the every neighborhood has the uh, wild household where the kids just run wild and kind of do what they want to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of the gossip source for all the neighborhood. And this man and his wife had had a, a divorce and gotten back together. It was just a just a really kind of a kind of a strange situation. And he mm-hmm. was kind of a crusty old guy, a World War II veteran that had seen really some nasty combat and was very much uninterested in anything to do with faith. Or anything like that. At one point in time, he had a heart attack. Had wound up with uh, quadruple bypass surgery and couldn't do anything. Mm. And this is at the point in time we just moved into a house, just gotten married, just started pharmacy school. Yeah. Uh, to say we were poor would probably be an understatement. We literally, I would go to school. We'd have a test at six in the morning in some classes, and. I would have a lab that ran until six in the evening, and I'd have enough money to buy a coat, and that was that was literally all I had. And of course, wasn't disciplined enough to get up and make myself a sandwich. So, yeah, probably better days. I lost some weight that way, <laughs> but uh, I didn't. There was no way I could help the guy financially, but I would just. Uh, and we had another lady on the other side of us that had gone through a divorce, and her husband had left, so we didn't live in a posh neighborhood it was yeah. just kind of lower blue uh, blue collar middle class area north mm-hmm. houston and so when i would mow the yard i'd just go ahead and where well, they weren't large yards so i just go ahead and mow his yard mm-hmm. and mow her yard and of course she was a strong christian lady mm-hmm. and but you know just me doing that for him over the course of time uh he I ex- expressed an interest and even a desire, and was not, you know, not because. <laughs> sorry, Dad. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. Well, oh. just it, it is. Uh, excuse me, my voice is kind of breaking, but it is overwhelming when you see mm-hmm. God work. Yeah. And, uh, he was, uh, he wound up going to church with us mm. and, and not because, you know, I gave him the salvation story and presented him all the points of salvation. He just went to, wound up going to church with us. He was exposed to the gospel and wound up being saved and baptized. Mm. That's awesome. 
That's so beautiful. I mean, it's, I think that's, you know, God gives us all in different ways and gives us different um, capacities for serving others. But uh, I mean, I, I see it in you so much, like just, you're going to, you're going to get things done for people and you're going to help them out. And I see a lot of just, you would probably not refer to yourself as a compassionate person, but you demonstrate compassion in the ways that you you serve in the ways that you give to folks that may not deserve. You always give not expecting in return. And I think that that's, um, that was real. I mean, that's been really cool to see as, as your child and, and know that, you know, as a parent, we're going to make mistakes, but there are some of those lessons that really sink in. And those are the things that are remembered in so many ways. And, and that's encouraging to me as a parent, because I know so many times that I've failed and messed up and, you know, there's been tension between me and my kids. And, you know, hopefully what I pray is that they remember just a few good things that God allowed me to, Mm -hmm. to do in their, in their life or to, or to maybe in the lives around us. Um, but yeah, they're having an emotional moment here. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, as you get older, mm-hmm. that doesn't change. There's still yeah. opportunities. I, uh, God is faithful, and he puts you where you need to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, even uh, I retired about two years ago, and a guy that I've worked with for a number of years, uh, he just rolled up on his 80s, and his wife was in her early 80s, and had developed dementia and was unable to care for herself, and he was unable to uh, do everything he needed to do. So, uh, you know, I hadn't been in touch with him for probably four years, five years. And uh, I'd cut back. I was only working, you know, maybe a day a week or something like that, Mm -hmm. and I just prayed. I said, God, give me something meaningful to do with my life. And careful if you pray that. I literally, literally prayed that prayer, and the next day I heard from this individual that I hadn't talked to in a number of years. He told me about his situation. I went over, and uh, it's not always easy, but you know, I wound up going over, uh, unless I was out of town somewhere, I wound up going over there every day for about a year and a half mm. just to be able to help him. Yeah, he wasn't able to get her up and change the bedding, mm-hmm. uh, so I'd go over once a day and did that for a year and a half. She recently passed away, mm-hmm. but it helped him sort of—he was a Christian, but it helped him reestablish his faith because mm-hmm. he saw God's faithful provision in his time of need. Mm-hmm. And once again, nah, please, if you knew me, you'd know I'm nothing special. I'm— mm-hmm. I am, uh, I think, you know, Paul was able to say it because he hadn't met me. He thought he was the chief of sinners. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you're always you're always able to be used, mm-hmm. and just little things. Uh, there were times I got tired of it. You know, you yeah. get tired of having a day in day out commitment. It wasn't a long time, just an hour or two, but uh, still. But that's. I mean, I think that. That's more than than most would do, and um, that's a big 
That's a big commitment. And I know that you you did it because you felt like that was what God wanted you to do. And and I know that you enjoyed being able to help help be a part of God meeting somebody's need. And well, I feel like it blesses you more. Yeah. When you see God move, especially in people's life, then then you're blessing them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um what has been one of the biggest unexpected blessings of parenting? I mean, other than me, just probably in general. probably <laughs> children. <laughs> you know. Uh for years you know, for years you just pour effort into them. And you have frustration and you have uh annoyance and you have uh disappointments and you have you have encouragement and fun and the good stuff in there too. But it just uh then when you're able to see them uh grow in the Lord finally and come to a relationship with him and see the work that they do and see the uh, see their accomplishments and uh, you know you hate to quote Facebook but uh, you have a certain sense of satisfaction when you look at what you know what little memes kind of summed it up you know it's as parents it's not our job to get our kids into Harvard but it is our job to get our kids into heaven um yeah, like at least as much as we're concerned, right? As, yeah, and as much as it's in us. Yeah, like obviously God's the one who saves, but yeah, everything we can, you know, do to help them to be the person that God created them to be. Um, yeah. So um, I think that you have gone through something that uh, many parents probably can can't necessarily identify with, but, you know, your oldest child, my sister, Leanna, she, I remember as a teenager, she said that she felt like God was calling her to be a missionary. And I remember her talking about Africa and not a whole lot more clarity beyond that. It was just like, oh, that's her thing. That's what she talks about. That's her, you know, I was talking about being a doctor and she was talking about being a missionary. And so that was just sort of her thing. And then it got kind of real. Um, maybe about, I don't know, between 15, 17 years ago when she took a six-month trip to to Africa to do medical mission work and um, with Mercy Ships. And, and that, I'm sure, was challenging itself. But and then beyond that, she felt called to go back. So what walk me through what that's like as a parent because I know that was hard. Well... You know, you run the gamut of emotions as a parent because as parents, I think we set these artificial goals of mm -hmm. what we want for our kids. And, uh, I'm, you know, sadly, we're sort of co-opted by our society and by the world in general to want to worry about their financial well-being for primarily, well, probably their physical well-being and then their financial well-being mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of times as we make our plans for them, I think that's sort of the two biggest issues that we look at and that we consider and that we uh, that we feel like we try to make a plan for. Mm -hmm. And we do that with their education and even with their 
spiritual indoctrination and and growth and things like that. And then, but then when something like that comes along, you're faced with the reality that, and you know, to be as kind of I don't know wild and crazy as I seem to be a lot of the time. Uh, in other ways, I'm kind of structured, and I want to know. I'm I'm a I'm, I am a bit of a control freak. You're, when you're it comes, kind of structured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm kind of a control freak when it comes right down to it. Yeah, I mean, if we go somewhere, I have to drive because I can't watch somebody else drive. <laughs> it's just so it's just. Uh, yeah, I, you plan out the menu for yeah, us yeah, before yeah. we go plan out, out the town menu for twenty seven meals in advance. <laughs> and so yeah, that's that's a lot of the way I'm structured. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, the God comes in and. Everything that you have structured and planned gets kicked out from under you. And you think, oh, well, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah. uh, what's this all about? And all the, you know, and then, uh, well, like in the case of Leanna, you know, we're going, oh, my gosh, she's going to Mozambique. And I think we all in our mind have these ideas of malaria and crocodiles and Mm-hmm. Sure enough, that. there's a lot. Then <laughs> you go over there, you realize, yeah, there's a lot of crocodiles and a whole, a whole lot, a of, lot malaria. of malaria. Yeah, and uh, and uh, you think, well, you know, what about you know, what about their long term future? What about this? What about that? And those are all the questions you ask yourself, and you second guess, and you're concerned about. And then, I mean, we were we went through all of that, mm-hmm. Mary John and myself, and then. Um, I think the uh, straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, changed everything. We actually uh, went over, and we saw the work, and we saw God moving, and we got to meet and interact with the people. And you think, oh, my gosh, this is really good. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. This is, uh, you know, God's in this, and it's great. And of course, you're still concerned, mm-hmm. and you. But gradually, you you say, "I gotta trust God." Mm-hmm. You know, she's eight time zones away, and yeah. there's a there's a really nothing that we can do other than pray. So yeah. it does bring us to that, and we do realize that. Helps us put everything in perspective. A lot of times, the things that we prioritize, the things that we think are most important for our children, uh, with between age and a relationship with God and what He shows us along the way, um, <clears throat> it was the hardest thing that we ever had to do. Mm-hmm. And yet, it was one of the best things I've ever experienced in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I think you, you know, talking about going over there and seeing what was happening and um, seeing, you know, your child, my sister, growing up into this role, like a leadership kind of position was really, really cool and really special. And, um, you know, I think it, it created in us a love for those people that we wouldn't have known otherwise and um a connection to them and i think that that's that's huge and you know as a parent it's it's really 
you know, it's like you said, we have ideas in our mind of what their future is going to look like and, um, you know, may or may not be the case. And, you know, even if there's a, it's a loose idea, I don't think it, hardly anybody pictures their kid moving literally about as far away as you could. I mean, to get there, it's a like three day journey, pretty much three flights, a 12 hour train ride and a car ride after that. It's, it's quite remote, but you know, I think that, I mean, does it, does it still, does it still bother you? I mean, does it still make you nervous at times? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it absolutely (laughs) does. You know, like I said, I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm very accustomed to trying to order my universe. Yeah. And uh, I realize that I, you know, I don't have it. I don't call any of the shots. Yeah. God is absolutely in control. And we see it's been, how long she's been there now? Maybe 12, 13 years. I think it's been closer to 15. Closer to 15? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, no wonder I'm getting old. But it's, (laughs) uh, but we realize that God's in control. Yeah. And we do realize, not initially, but over time, that we wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that I would have want to do, wanted to do different, I'm so glad that I couldn't. Yeah, because God has not not just what He's done through the work of Leanna and with those people over there, but what he's done in me to be able to participate. Yeah. Because I would have never gone, probably. I would have never seen. I would have never encountered these people uh, driven to serve God Mm -hmm. in this area and in the most humble circumstances imaginable. Yeah. So he's shown me a lot. Yeah. Well, I think that you've brought up a lot of good points just and I hope that anybody that's listening is encouraged that you know as a as a parent we play an play an important role in our kids lives and we may not see the fruit of that we may get to but we may not ever see all of that but you know I think that you have given me and my siblings an example of you know what it means to follow Jesus and you know, we know that you're not perfect. <laughs> Flawed is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, but we also know that you have, with all, with your time and with your resources and with your energy, you have given to the Lord. And, you know, it's just your kids see that and they see that it's important and they see that. God must be something special for you to give up so many things for him. But, you know, and to see in return how it blesses you so much more. Um, I think that, you know, the the legacy that your mom began in your life has continued on in you. And, you know, hopefully will continue on past you for many, many generations to come. Um I know I, I made you get emotional. I know you don't like yeah, that. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I know you don't like that. Thanks a pitiful. I, <laughs> I think it's I think it's one of the things that I, I really love about you, Dad, is that you're not generally a very emotional person, except when it comes to talking about God and what God has done. And I think that it's 
it's really sweet that that's the thing that that gets you choked up the most. And um, and I've really enjoyed talking to you tonight. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. My pleasure entirely. I love whenever I get to see God's faithfulness transform lives. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home with two parents that loved Jesus. And I know that is due in large part to the prayers of my grandmother and of course, the faithfulness of God. It is so encouraging to hear how God hears our prayers and he cares about our kids even more than we do. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that it was encouraging to you. If you love the Faithful Podcast, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You can find me on Instagram at Faithful Podcast or at faithfulpodcast.podbean.com. Have a great week and remember to stay faithful, friends.